and and tell me. And where were they on the Enneagram scale? Is that what you've been asking? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Welcome back to another episode of Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm your host, Thomas, here with my good friend, Daniel, as always. Good morning. How are you? Doing How well. Are you this morning? You. Good. Doing well. Yeah, excited to get into another conversation. Yeah, we would like to thank our patrons at the outset of this episode. <clears throat> if you go over to patreon.com slash reason together, you can become a patron of this podcast like these other wonderful people have. And uh, I'm sure you're wonderful too, but you know, you'd just be more wonderful <laughs> if you became a patron of this this podcast over at patreon.com slash reason together. We do thank all of our patrons for their generous support. Uh, we appreciate you very much. Yes. And uh why don't boy that that's a quick <clears throat> intro this morning. How how are you getting along? <laughs> I'm good. Good. I'm good. Good. Yeah. Okay. Well, it sounds like uh, we've got some good questions coming up here. Um and why don't yes. we just jump right into our episode and um Indeed. and see what we want to cover here. Okay. Um you've got several here that I'm not supposed to peek at. <laughs> Which and, just and, that, just by virtue of that yellow th flag that says "Don't peek," you're like, yes. "Come on, come on, it's, come on, come on!" It's like a mosquito, <laughs> like a mosquito buzzing in my ear, and I just want to smack it. <laughs> yes, that's funny. Oh, so, so which oh, one I see, would you? I like? see. So you added a couple and put a yellow tag on it yourself. Yeah, I did. That was just, that was just Re vengeance, <laughs> revenge. Yes. You don't really care whether I see them. You just tell me. <laughs> you know me okay. too well. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Now, a couple of these, um, <clears throat> I believe I kind of set for uh, the after show. Okay. So, um, I will, uh, okay, I will pull out this and this kind of gets into a, a hotbed topic. Oh of the day uh, with the resurgence of, you know, the call for a vaccine and things like that. But my question is on moral culpability. By that, mean, by that meaning, do I have, um, am I in some way morally responsible for one thing by taking part in another? So the question would be something like this, in, in taking the vaccine, and we had, we had discussed here, oh, now it maybe it's three episodes ago. Uh, about the legitimacy of the <clears throat> abortion issue as it's connected to vaccines. Um, is that really an issue? But if, if let's say it was for, for the sake of the argument that, that somehow aborted fetal matter was used in the making of the vaccine and things like that, in taking the vaccine, would I be culpable in the abortion? Would, and, and because this did come up in a podcast that I listened to, and 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 it did make me think the guy's answer at first you're like well, I don't know about that but it's like so so if I say uh, you know this vaccine is a helpful thing and it helps me and it's a good thing and yet you know that had to be done in order to make it possible but the vaccine's good and I'm not for abortion but I am for the vaccine it, can I can I make that dichotomy or by taking the vaccine and accepting it as a good thing though it's made this way again for sake of argument. Am I somehow culpable in abortion? Uh, and 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 no. in a parallel form, you put it in different um, spheres. In buying an iPhone, am I enabling forced child labor? 
you know, in, in purchasing certain brands uh, or shopping at certain stores? Am I complicit in their support of the leftist agenda because I shop there? Um, at what point does my money attach to a moral cause? Wow. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot to unpack there. Okay. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure which part to go after first. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, it's it's obvious, I think, it, it at least should be obvious to the Christian that, you know, the, the question, let us do evil that good may come. <laughs> um, you know, Romans chapter eight, that question is is in a sense condemned on its face. Mm-hmm, that it mm-hmm. wouldn't be right to do evil that good may come. So, you know, do I embrace pragmatism of of doing something evil in order for the greater good? The answer mm-hmm. to that is obviously no, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you brought up, you know, several things as far as consumer purchases goes or businesses that you support. Mm-hmm. And perhaps the most controversial of all that you mentioned is now the vaccine issue. Mm-hmm. You would have to accept the premise first that the whole claim of uh, aborted baby material being in the vaccines, you'd have to accept that as true if you were to then have moral qualms in taking the vaccine. Um, right. And I realize that, and I'm not looking to change anybody's minds, um, and we live in an age where Everyone has their own expert that they listen to. <laughs> um, and Christians are not immune to that, no pun intended. Um, every Christian seems to have their own expert these days that they listen to. Uh, some of them uh, are more legitimate than others, obviously. Some are complete fruitcakes. Um, but so I'm not looking to change anybody's mind. <clears throat> I will give you my understanding based on my research on the topic uh, that not all vaccines are developed uh, using the alleged, you know, quote unquote, aborted baby parts. Um, not all are done that way. And I realize that, you know, some, somebody's going to send me something and say, well, here, here's one guy admitting that they're all done that way. Okay. Everyone's got their own expert. Okay. Uh, do you believe everything you see on the internet? <laughs> you know, everyone has to well, why has to think through these things <laughs> themselves, right? <clears throat> um, so, you know, back in the '60s and '70s, there was research done uh, regarding vaccines using lung tissue from aborted babies. That is that is a true thing that happened. Um, they they did not abort the babies for the purpose of the vaccines. That doesn't matter though. They still took advantage of the horrible crime of abortion uh, to do vaccine research. <clears throat> and they have taken those cells and they have uh, cultured them and reproduced them over the last several decades now to where some vaccinations today still utilize the cell, the cellular research that was done back in the 60s. Now, mm-hmm. the, the, where it gets into kind of a gray area <clears throat> is um, those cells are not the same cells that were taken from those, those children. Uh, those cells have been reproduced probably innumerable times over the last several decades in, in the similar way that when you, if you were to get a burn and you get a skin graft put on your arm, you know, if I gave you some of my skin, which is just weird to say, but <laughs> if I gave yeah, you some well, of no, my skin, could. yeah, mm-hmm. 
immediately it is still my skin on your arm, right? Um, after a while, though, those cells, they integrate themselves to your body. They begin to reproduce to where they're not the same cells anymore. They're completely new cells based off of the original skin graft that was put on you to prevent you from getting infections, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that's, that's essentially how cell cellular mitosis functions. They reproduce over and over again to where the original cells don't have to be there. They've been replaced by new cells sure, over time. Sure. So that's where the debate takes place. <clears throat> so it's not as if they took aborted baby parts, stuck them in a syringe and jabbed it into your arm. That isn't what happens oh, right. when you get a vaccine. And for some Christians, uh, their, their conscience cannot bear that. And I don't condemn them for that. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the argument can be made that it is obviously not those aborted baby cells uh, that are present there. Uh, and, and again, I'm not trying to change any minds. I'm just giving you my understanding of it here. <clears throat> um and, and, and really, if it's not the same original cells, the question you then have to ask now is, um, am, I, am I supporting something here uh, that I don't agree with? And the problem with then asking that question in such a scenario is, are you consistent with that same rationale across all matters of life? And if okay. you're not, then you kind of have to be quiet. So you've circled down around really fast now to back to the answer to the question. And you're saying you're kind of hitting it on a matter of consistency. Um, Partially. Yeah. And I'm sure there yeah. are other angles to hit it from. Okay. But uh, I think ultimately you can make a good decision about what vaccines contain, which research. And that, of course, you know, some people are just never going to believe anything a medical person says ever. Um, so, you know, they'll just refuse every vaccine. So, you know, people have to be persuaded in their own mind. I think ultimately what it comes down to is a Romans 14 issue where I can't condemn you if you feel in your conscience that you shouldn't get a vaccine, not just the COVID vaccine, any vaccine. I can't condemn you for that. Um, but at the same time, you can't condemn me if I choose to get it. Uh, because I do think it is a gray area. Um, the, the people who say, oh, there's aborted baby parts in vaccines, it is a reductionist argument uh, based on some level of not understanding really what's what's happening there. Um, so, so I think people need to be careful about condemning each other on the matter um, when I think it's it's a matter of Christian liberty. One other thought on the vaccine when we get people before we get back. People are so going to hate me for saying all that. <laughs> One other thought, though, is I actually have been told by a doctor over the phone that it, um, as I understand it, it doesn't even the the COVID vaccine doesn't actually fit within the medical definition of a vaccine. Um, Depending which is, on which COVID vaccine you're talking about. Okay. So it's interesting to think about that. If it doesn't even fit into its own definition, what is it actually? Um, and he was talking about, um, I can't remember the term he used for it. But anyway, so coming back to it, uh, assuming for the sake of the argument that uh, it, you know, involved abortion or say to go to the, you know, that it, it involved something morally wrong in the formation of the vaccine, would taking the vaccine make me somehow culpable in that um, atrocity that brought about, you know, the scientific know-how to make the vaccine? 
my my gut response, and I and I could be, you know, I, I I give room to to be taught on this. My gut response is to say, no, you don't bear moral culpability in it. Okay. Um. So, uh, yeah. So basically, that's that's kind of the thing. Is at some point, where's the connection? Where's there not a connection? Let's say, uh, and this is just a random, you know, illustration that, um, you know, I'm in a I, I go to a foreign country and they carve out these wooden little figurines. And I say, wow, that's a beautiful figurine, you know, and then, uh, and then I learn that, uh, you know, this little boy, you know, carves these figurines uh, feverishly because his dad beats him if he doesn't get so many in a day, you know what I mean? And so I'm like supporting, I'm supporting uh, this family whose dad beats the kid to make these figurines to make them money, which I think, oh, I just like the figurine, you know, it doesn't really matter. Well, now am I somehow supporting the family and supporting the dad's beating of the kid, you know, uh, beating of the kid to get it done? Well, I just like the figurine, you know, but once you figure out where it's coming from, that it's coming from an abusive environment, you know, the guy should go out and get his own job and you know, whatever. Um, am I a part of all that simply by buying into the company, you know what I'm saying? By buying the product yeah. that's, that's made that way. Uh, and to me, it is a little bit uh, difficult. Now, do I own Apple devices? Yes, I do. Um, you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so right. but are they made in China? Are, can, are working conditions in China, uh, you know, right and ethical? No, probably not. Um, no. And so are we, are we basically um, uh, providing, you know, buying from the system that does it that way? And yet, I guess at some point we also ask, well, what alternative is there? Is that a good argument anyway? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, one I mean, other... if you, Go ahead. I was going to say, if you really feel like it is a moral issue, is that <clears throat> like, for instance, what if, what if it became mandated for everyone to get it? Like, mm -hmm. and I realize that's an extreme scenario. I, I would hope that would never happen uh, here. Yeah, I wouldn't I say it's extraordinary it's, extreme. Yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah. a good illustration. Yeah, I don't think it should be should be mandated. Um, but if it was, and Christians were forced to get it in the United States of America, um, what do you do then? Is that is that a hill that you die on, or you know, do you take it, realizing that you feel dirty, like you feel like you're committing a crime, and just trust God to enact His vengeance on those who made you take it? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those are questions to ask because, you know, we obviously live in the freest country in the world, but not every place in history would have been like that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, you know, in, in, in Paul's day, many people were slaves, right? And mm -hmm. Not many, but mm -hmm. yeah, there, there, there were some that were slaves yes, and he told them, obey your own masters. Well, what if they're masters? And I realized it's not an employee employer relationship. But if if the if the slaves were told by their masters, here you have to take this vaccine, they obviously have no choice. Right. What can they do other than just buckle and just trust the Lord to not only protect them, but to take out his vengeance on those who made them essentially commit a crime? Um, you know, it's like everyone I think is gonna have a different um everyone's gonna buckle at some point. <laughs> You know, when it, when it comes to something like, well, I shouldn't say that, that, that sounds too superlative, but you know, everyone has <laughs> their, everyone has their stopping point, if, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean, where suddenly mm -hmm. they now have to re-rationalize their principle mm -hmm. on something like that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and, and the I question is, do modern Christians today, would they, would they, would they forfeit 
you know, their, their life or their freedom, you know, in regards to a vaccine, we're never going to know the answer to that unless we come right up against it. You know, when it gets um, so dire, won't know, they won't know what they're going to do until they're right up on it. Hmm. Well, you know? but isn't that part of the, uh, part of the reasoning process is to try to think in advance through some of those issues, because to try to scale that mountain in a moment, you know, of rationalizing all the, all yeah. the ins and outs and what's my responsibility here and what would God be pleased with is it, a big, is a big deal. One other angle on that same question. And the, the original question I had heard, I think was, um, and may, I don't know if it was the vaccine, but it's something similar, you know, so if aborted, because obviously abortion still happens terribly, uh, mm-hmm. it, it happens terribly, any abortion is terrible, but I, I'm, I'm saying abortion still happens rampantly in the United States. And, uh, and we were made aware in the last few years, even that, uh, you know, people are willing to sell these parts and make more money off of it. And um, so the parts can be sold and, and things can go kind of like the lottery, you know, you buy into the lottery and it says, hey, it's to helps our state's education. Okay, yeah, great. Um, but, oh, you know, well, abortion, this funds medical research. Uh, well, I'm sure it still funds research of some sort, or I say it supports research of some sort. Um, I don't know that the question is so much for us who benefit from the research, but maybe from the doctors who actually use the materials to do the research. You know what I mean? That, that's a closer point mm-hmm. of connection. If, if, a, if a doctor says, you know, I'm just doing research on, um, on, on, a liver, on livers, you know, to try to find uh, a cure for whatever, it just happens that this is an aborted fetal liver. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I don't like abortion. I'm just wanting to find a cure for, for liver problems. And so in his mind, you know, should he put up more of a stink to say, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to work on these kind of livers. No way. We can work on adult livers. We can work on, you know, deceased, you know, accident victims, but we're not going to work on that where for, where if he develops, if he develops a procedure or, or, or scientific knowledge that enables us to have healthier livers, we're not complicit in saying, oh, well, great. We, we operate off of that knowledge now. And, and we, you know, we use that knowledge to be healthier, though technically that knowledge was gained in working on an aborted fetal liver. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, we're, we're just gleaning from the knowledge, but the guy sure. who's actually working on the, on the component itself, it seems like would have to ask that question right. more. But, but in a similar way, what about an autopsy? You know, here's, here's a person at the city morgue or whatever this guy he was a bum he got mugged and shot and and he's in here um and so he's dead might as well use his body for scientific research we don't even know who he is you know he's john doe doesn't have any connections uh he's just gonna be buried anyway might as well use his body for scientific research are we are we somehow saying that oh yeah we're for people getting mugged and shot no but since the opportunity is here um, wouldn't we just use the body to autopsy it, to, to use the parts for, for research right. in some way. But now sure. that's the same argument going back to the abortion. They're like, I'm not for abortion, but people are going to do it. And since the dead body is here, I might as well do it for the good of humanity to try to find some good out of it. Hmm. See the similarity there? In- There's like, they're they're going to do it anyway. So why don't I just use the material uh, for my research? Hmm. I'd have to think about that. Um, As you were talking, though, I was thinking about, you know, even our own country, you know, which by the way that many, many Christians believe about Romans 13, about obeying the government, 
that would really conflict with living in the United States of America. Um, you know, because by what they would preach about Romans 13, our founding fathers never should have rebelled. And yet we're taking advantage of the freedom that's already here that we were born into. Are we morally culpable for, <laughs> for what our I founding mean, fathers did rebelling against the government or, well, it, it's here. It, it could go a hundred <laughs> directions. Exactly. And, and, and that's kind of my point in bringing that up is because right. I think it's not as black and white as many people think. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody has a very complex relationship with these issues you know, those who say, you know, I'm not going to take the vaccine because, you know, it, it, it has aborted baby parts in it. Um, well, are they consistent in every other area of their life? No, no, they're not. You know, or someone says, I'm not going to take it because I'm not going to put anything into my body that defiles my body. Well, do you presently do that? Sure. You probably do. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it can be made, the argument can be made that sugar defiles the body. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of food supplements have things in them that defile the body. Uh, mm-hmm. Vitamins have fillers and things in them that, that can defile the body. So it's like you you you, you have to – it's a mm-hmm. complex relationship that people are trying to present as if it's black and white. And it just isn't. It just isn't. Sometimes. And that's why I think you have to kind of sometimes leave each other alone on these matters that I think there is room for everyone to be persuaded in their own mind. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I can, it, it's interesting. That's, that's part of that growing older thing. The more that you know, uh, it's like, uh, the more you learn, the less, you know, um, mm-hmm. you say, Ooh, wow. I used to be so sure on things because with the limited knowledge I had, it was so black and white and I could, you know, I could make this sort of slogan and I could, boom, I'm never going to do this. I'll always do that. And I stand on that position. And then you start to learn more of the intricacies of it and you go, wow, that's, that's more, uh, yeah. You know, that's more of a difficult issue yeah. than I thought. Now, maybe you still, and like you say, they're persuaded in their own mind because there's a certain principle that just shines through that says that is undeniably wrong. Sure. I cannot do this thing. Okay. Well then great. We're definitely not asking you to sacrifice principle just to recognize maybe the nuances of thought that go, go into things. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah. Yeah. It's a deep discussion. I was, th- I was listening to, a, um, a pastor friend of, of mine the other day, a pastor that I know. Um, and he was, he was talking about this and I'm trying to remember exactly how he said it, but essentially, you know, there, there isn't a Christian who rejects all modern science. They have a right. complex relationship with modern science. <laughs> um, there isn't a Christian who rejects all modern medicine. They keep some and they reject some, they mm-hmm. have a complex mm-hmm. relationship with it. Um, mm-hmm. So, so don't act like you don't have this complex relationship. Don't act like it's so black and white and you should do this and you shouldn't do that when it comes to this vaccine or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, no, it, it's complex. It's complex. And when you, and you're saying when you kind of admit that complexity up front, at least you're being fair in the discussion. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. I've got one other that could spin off of that, but maybe that's for another time. Do you have a question you want to go to? Um. Well, I'm kind of, I'm tossed because I do have a question, but it would kind of depart from the vein of thought that we're in. Do we want to completely change it up here or do we want to, to kind um, of find y- related content? Yeah. Um, no, I, I just, if you want to change it up, feel free to change it okay. up. That's totally fine. Yeah. You've got this question here and, and it's just, I can tell it's from the book of Romans here. Who is he that condemneth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there there's a question that I also wrote down here that maybe could be kind of a tangential question to that is saving faith in the Old Testament. Okay. Um, 
So why don't you start with yours and I'll see if mine kind of fits into that somewhere. Okay. Um, I'm going to pull that uh, passage up here. In Romans chapter 8, um, he said, we read in this passage here, um, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. My question is there, and, and not saying um, that I couldn't, you know, in five minutes kind of look into the Greek and, you know, kind of diagram it out, whatever, and, and, and answer the question. But one of these questions, um, you know, friend to friend, kind of this kind of this type of conversation, like, hey, you ever thought about this before? <laughs> but in that question, when he says, who is, who is he that condemneth? Is he saying, um, is he answering the question uh, immediately following, or is he making a statement um, that, anyway, so let me, there's two different ways. Is he saying, who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died that condemneth. It's Christ that condemns, and he's the one that died for you, so you're in no trouble. Is that what he's saying? Is Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He's the one that condemns, but since he's making intercession for you and you're related rightly to him, he's not going to condemn you. Or is he saying, who, who could condemn you? Christ died and, and he's, he's interceding mm -hmm. for you. So who could condemn you? What's, you know, sometimes you read a passage all of your life one way and then somebody comes up and he's like, oh, no, I've actually never seen it that way. I always saw it this right. way. You know, oh, wow. I never, that never even crossed my mind. What, what would be your take on that verse? Uh, the second one. <laughs> um, the second. Okay. Yeah. I'm kind of leaning that way. Um, just by virtue of kind of the courtroom language that he's using here. So, I mean, you see in verse 32, Romans eight, that Christ was delivered up, uh, for us. And then verse 33, he asks this question, who shall lay anything to the charge? which is very legal language, it sounds, a very courtroom language. Mm. Uh, basically, who's going to stand up here on the right-hand side, which is where the accuser would stand in their courtroom scenario, on the right-hand side of the room, who would stand up there and accuse the brethren? Who could stand up and charge God's elect? It is God that justifieth. <clears throat> uh, and then the short answer to that verse, I think, is, well, no one, <laughs> uh, because God has justified no one can stand up legitimately and lay anything to the charge of God's elect. That mm -hmm. would be my understanding of that. And he asks further, verse 34, it's almost like he repeats the question. Session. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who is he that condemneth? Basically, it would be as if the judge were saying to the, to the crowded room, is there anyone else? Anyone here? Anyone want to speak up? Can anyone lay anything to the charge of God's elect? And his response is, it is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession for us. <laughs> Meaning, if you're going to stand up and condemn, lay anything to the charge of God's elect, you're going to have to go through the intercessor here. You're going to have to have a better argument than this one here at my right hand who intercedes for them. Um and then, mm -hmm. you know, verse Good. 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And the short answer to that is nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think I think it's kind of the second scenario that you brought up, I think, is that he's making a statement 
that the one who exists as the accuser of the brethren, right? I think it's Revelation, I forget what chapter, but uh, 12 maybe. Um, Revelation chapter 12, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren who accuses God's people day and night, right? And eventually he's going to be cast out so that he can't do that anymore. Is there anything even Satan could say that could mm -hmm. unjustify mm -hmm. the justified? No. <laughs> no, there isn't. Yeah. Yeah, good. Okay. And I said, as I'm looking at it just a little bit more as you're talking, yeah, there is. Um, yeah. Okay. The, the way you see the other questions phrased. Um, uh, yeah, that helps. Okay. So does that connect to what you're uh, thinking of? Uh, yeah, maybe tangentially. Um, my, my question was this, and I know we've been asked this before. This may be kind of like an ordination style question. Um, but... <laughs> I've been thinking about it because I've been teaching through a series on the people of the Bible, like doing a character survey of both major and minor people throughout the scriptures and trying to look not just at the facts of their life, but trying to piece together what kind of person they were. So even trying to delve into mm -hmm. what, what personality did this person have? What were their, what kind of moods do you see in this individual? Look at their decisions and their emotion, emotional responses and, and tell me. And where were they on the Enneagram scale? Is that what uh, you're going to ask? No. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Good. My, my goal is to, to help our, our people at church relate to these biblical people as real people. Yes. yes. Not right. just mm -hmm. a storybook character who had facts happen to him, you know, like, you know, Noah had a wife and, and three sons and, and he built an ark and there was a flood and all that. Okay. Great. Fair enough. Right. He's a real person yeah. that, that processed life in a certain right. way. Yeah. Yes. What was he like? Right. And uh, we just talked about Jephthah uh, last night, which is a fascinating character yes. to me. But what I find interesting is, is that sometimes these Old Testament characters uh, are are mentioned in like Hebrews chapter 11. So you have like Gideon there um, who, if you read the story, it seems like he waffles so much that, you know, he just needs the Lord to constantly validate and verify everything God says. And it's like God has to repeat himself to him and prove himself to him. And God graciously grants Gideon's requests when he could have just said, didn't you hear me? <laughs> it's like did yeah, i not make right, myself yeah. clear he could have said that but instead you know he he mercifully takes gideon through the thing with the fleeces and and all of that and uh and yet you find this waffling character who seems to have very little faith in the story mentioned in hebrews chapter 11 where it says people like gideon and jephthah who by faith subdued kingdoms and mm. You know, it got me to thinking about the salvation understanding that Old Testament saints would have. So like Abraham is held up as a clear example in Romans chapter four, right? Of basically being the model of what yes. saving faith looked like in the Old Testament. And it essentially just says of him, he believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness, right? Yes. Right. Now, and, and that's a very simplistic statement. He just believed God and that was counted unto him. We might even say imputed unto him as righteousness. Um, but yet his example is perhaps one of the more clear ones where, you know, he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. And, you know, he was very closely connected to the promised seed, 
right? He saw that in his own family, how God can miraculously give a child to someone. Um, so, so we can kind of see that maybe Abraham put together the pieces of a coming Messiah uh, who would be a sacrifice. Remember, we see the picture in Isaac there. You know, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. Abraham understood the concept of a suffering Messiah that would eventually come and redeem mankind. But what about these other Old Testament characters like Jephthah? And Gideon, uh, did they like what was their understanding of salvation, or was it just as simplistic as it says of Abraham in Romans chapter four that they believed God, and it was counted unto them for righteousness? My question is, believed him about what? You know what I mean? What was salvation like in the Old Testament? Yeah. Is, is what I'm asking. Okay, good. A uh, few few thoughts I have on that, specifically in the case of Abraham in Genesis, um, and I fails me what chapter right at the moment, but, but basically God brings him out and says, look at the stars, uh, so shall thy seed be. Um, Genesis 12. Abraham, you're an old man. 12, and okay. 15, uh, I think. Ab- Abram, you're an old man, uh, and yet I'm going to you know, create nations out of you, and your seed is going to be in- innumerable like this. Uh, and that's the point where in the Old Testament, that, that specific story, Abraham believed God. Um, and it was counted to him for righteousness. So, uh, so the, number one, the concept of the idea of believe, um, I, I think, serves clarification in a lot of people's minds. Um, and then to address the issue of God, and I know that sounds really simplest, simplistic, but I mean, to believe God, both of those things being defined. The, the concept of the word believe in the Old Testament comes from... Uh, from a word that has the idea to be firm and to cause to be firm. So basically when I believe God, I'm causing God to be firm. Not that he's any firmer because I believe in him, but basically I'm causing myself to acknowledge the firmness that God is. In other words, God is absolutely firm. He is reality. He is, uh, he is, you know, the basis, the core. And when I recognize he is firm, unlike things of deception that are you know, uh, that are not firm, that you can't plant your way on with any confidence. He is absolutely worthy of confidence. Um, and I count that to be so. In other words, I recognize him to be who he is. Um, that is believing God when I, when I rest on him and I say, yes, indeed, that is firm. So when God said, your, your, your seed is going to be like the stars of the heaven. And Abram says, that's true. You know, that what you said is true. You're firm. You're, you're right. Um, that's counted as righteousness, which, again, what is righteousness? Righteousness is adhering to the design, the law. That means, you know, if we say somebody is righteous, we typically mean that they're law abiding. Um, well, what is a law? It's a design. And so it's but God's design is that people would acknowledge him for who he is. And when Abram does that and he acknowledges God, you know, what you say is true. You are true. Um, mm-hmm. That is according to God's design. That is a righteous thing. Um, yeah, go ahead. So you're essentially saying that belief goes um, perhaps a layer deeper than than what God specifically said, but who he is. So yes, yes, absolutely. It has to be. Because like, you know, I'm thinking of like, you know, New Testament verses, Acts 16, 31, where they answer the Philippian jailer, I think it is, you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Mm-hmm. So they're saying you need to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, right? That's what you need to believe. 
And there is a who involved in that. But ultimately, did the Old Testament yes. saints understand belief on the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, and here's that's the question. Well, no, not. Yeah. I mean, did they did they know that there was a man named Jesus who would, you know, die on a no. cross and all that? I don't know that they and yeah didn't see all of that happening. Um, they just believed what God said to them. They took right, him at his right. word. So they did. Yes. Right. And and which is in and maybe I'm saying this wrong. It is, in essence, one and the same. God, Jesus is God. And if and if you believe God in this thing, you'd believe him in that right. thing. Um, and 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 as far as their understanding of God, I think this is important too. It's to say, you know, because people might be like, "Man, Abram, he, he didn't, you know, what what would he have known about God?" I think he knew a lot about sure. God. Um, you know, Joseph. Wow, Joseph had this relationship and said, "How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God?" I personally think that Adam began writing about God. Mm-hmm. And that was written that, you know, it was written, it was passed down through the generations. Um, it carried through the flood that Noah would have had, you know, the writings, if you will, of Adam that would have passed down. And that was even source material for for Moses, who then uh, transcribed or retranscribed part of, you know, the books of the law. And we say the books of the law. Well, Genesis isn't really law, mm-hmm. but. Obviously, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, yeah. Deuteronomy. Okay, there we go. But was was Moses also kind of retranscribing this Genesis account, which had been recorded generations before? Sure. So, I mean, there had always been, since the beginning of time, an, an understanding from the first man who literally walked with God, who was the first creation of God, who God was, and a description of who he was. Did people know God? Did they understand? Yeah. I mean, if they wanted to know the real God, it wasn't like, wow, you know, generations ago, you know, there's some being yeah. out there and, and, I, and I sense that, no, no, they, you know, and so then I go back, then one other thought is that you go to John 1, 11. I love this passage. When you look at the Jesus now, we're not, it, which again, obviously is the same God, but now we're talking God in flesh on earth to the disciples and to those people. On earth, and he says uh, he came unto his own. Yes, it's John writing this. He came unto his own. That is, Jesus came to the Jewish people, and his own received him not. What does that mean? You know, say, well, you just need to believe in Jesus. You need to believe on Jesus. So they would just say, oh, okay, Jesus, I believe on you. Well, what what did that actually mean? Well, it said um, they they did not receive him. In what way did they not receive Jesus as the Messiah? You know, they would not accept him for who he was. It wasn't that they wouldn't accept, they wouldn't allow him to buy. It wasn't that they didn't accept him as a rabbi in some sense, mm-hmm. or, you know, as an actual Jewish citizen. They wouldn't take him they at his word. They would not accept him. No, they wouldn't take him at his word that indeed he was the Messiah, that he was the I am, that he was these things. So so then one twelve says, but as many as received him, to those of us who will receive him for who he is by taking him at his word, um, then we have the authority to become the sons of God. But there has to be some knowledge, some context. Um, at least there was there in the Jewish mindset. So when people, yeah, back in the Old Testament, what was the saving faith? It was taking God at his word, and his word obviously rests on his nature, who yeah. he is. And so to, to, to believe in his word is to believe in him as a person and to say, you are true. Sure. And I guess in some sense, you know, with Old Testament salvation in view, these characters who just simply believed God and charged forward into battle that looked 
insurmountable or they believed God mm. and they left everything behind to follow wherever he would lead them, <clears throat> you know, regardless of what it was that he told them to do, they believed him in a sense. I wonder if that means you could take that faith and extrapolate it forward and say, would God ever have said to them in their day, here's Jesus Christ, he died for your sins, repent and believe him. Uh, then you can extrapolate their faith out and say, well, they would have believed that because God said it. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. so that's why I, th I think with Old Testament salvation, it is kind of, um, I don't know, it seems simplistic in a sense. Because when we in the New Testament focus so much on the gospel of Jesus Christ, which isn't bad to do, right? We focus on the details of the gospel and Christ's death and burial and resurrection. That's all important. We can almost focus so much on the details of the story that people have to believe that we're forgetting the point. They have to just take him at his word with this. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is what he said is the power of God unto salvation. <laughs> believe that because it's he who said it. You know, whereas in Old Testament mm. salvation, it it seems simpler. They just believed what God said. Their relationship with God was one in which I will believe what he says, period. Um, and that's why, you know, I struggle with people like Gideon, <laughs> uh, who seems mm -hmm. to waffle mm -hmm. back and forth, yet he's recorded in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Something ultimately about his life was characteristic of faith, despite the fact that we don't really see it a ton in the story see it yeah um, yeah similarly with lot even worse with yeah lot. yeah good point good point huh. yeah um yeah and i guess just the point i'm making too as far as it being god that um it wasn't that just some random you know ninevite said oh dagon you know dagon's god and i believe god no it had to be obviously the god uh who is revealing himself. And in so many of those Old Testament, you know, in those Old Testament stories, a lot of times, and you're talking Jewish people, well, they had a knowledge that this was the Genesis God. This was the creator mm -hmm. God. This was the God who led them out of Egypt. This was the God who had manifested his mind. You know, so this was a, this was a specific God mm -hmm. and it was the God. Um, and they counted him to be what he was. Right. Um, and they said, yes, um, I'll, you know, I, I love that description of Abram when it says, and being fully persuaded that God was able to, what, how does that say, you know, do that, which perform that, which she had said. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, this, the description in Romans, I think it's four, is a, just an awesome description right. of that persuasion of faith. Yeah. Um, and it's not, faith isn't this, well, you know what, there's no good reason to believe, you know, but I'm just going to have faith. I'm just going to take that blind leap in the dark. No, mm -hmm. no, it's a response to revelation. It's a response to something that you see. God has shown you enough and God has manifested himself, but now he does tell you something that you don't see. Um, and you say, well, that's true. That's true. I'm going to, I'm going to rest in your person on that one. I don't see that my, all, all of my, I don't see my offspring yet being as many as the stars of heaven, but I'm going to have total confidence in sure. that. Um, because of, uh, because of who you are and who I already know you to be. And, and, uh, and, cause it to be firm in myself that you are that God. right so, good yeah good good question i think that's all we have time for for this episode wow but, uh, yeah we're pretty much right on for mind. the day and what, um, uh give, give a teaser of what you want to talk about in the after show what do you think okay you have a couple um, here that i boy, can't peek be, at yeah yeah it's gonna be one of these uh these two um 
boy. Uh, it's either going to be prognostication, cool. which that could that could take us an hour, yeah. or um, a question posed to one of my kids uh, by not not someone in the family, but some, one of their playmates asked them a question, and I just sort of want to pick apart what does that question demonstrate hmm. about the mindset that it came wow. from. Well, I um, am going to prognosticate that the after show will be quite interesting. <laughs> And uh, yes. I'm also going to prognosticate that those of you who cannot get that after show are going to go to Reason Together. <laughs> what is it? Patreon.com slash Reason Together. <laughs> and I, I'm prognosticating here, okay? Uh, and 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 they are going to sign up to become a patron at the elite level so they can get the after show bonus episode. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> We're going to have fun over there. Be free to feel free to join us by uh, signing up to become a patron. If you have any questions or comments, you can send those to reason together podcast at gmail.com. Uh, any feedback you'd like to send us, uh, we would appreciate that. Anyway, we are encouraging balance, developing perspective and connecting faith to practice. This is reason together. <laughs>